with the pandemic came the rise of remote working, introducing new challenges for the IT department to manage cybersecurity. How is your organization coping with this challenge? In this episode of Cocktails, we talk to a seasoned cybersecurity expert to learn about how the pandemic impacted cybersecurity and how much these cyber attacks are costing our organizations. We also talk about how a company board can get involved with cyber risk management and how organizations can now manage and mitigate cyber risk through automation. Welcome to Coding Over Cocktails, a podcast by Toro Cloud. Here we talk about digital transformation, application integration, low-code application development, data management, and business process automation. Catch some expert insights as we sit down with industry leaders who share tips on how enterprises can take on the challenge of digital transformation. Take a seat, join us for a round. Here are your hosts, Kevin Montalbo and Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Welcome to episode 50 of the Coding Over Cocktails podcast. My name is Kevin Montalbo. And joining us from Sydney, Australia is Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Hi, David. Hi, Kevin. And our guest for this episode is a seasoned cybersecurity technologist and expert with over 18 years of extensive experience in cybersecurity R&D. He got his PhD in cybersecurity from the International Institute of Information Technology in Bangalore in applied cryptography and threat intelligence. He is co-inventor of five U.S. patents in the areas of cloud, SDN, and NFV security. He's also the author for several REST API security live projects for Manning, which we'll be having a giveaway of on our Toro Cloud Twitter account. So make sure to stick around for that. Joining us today for a round of cocktails is Dr. Sashank Dara. Hi, Sashank. Great to have you on the show. Hey, hi, Kevin. Hi, David. My pleasure being here. Nice, nice to have you join us. Thank you for joining us today. Let's jump straight into it. We all know that uh, cyber attacks have been increasing in their frequency and sophistication. Um, do you have any statistics on what it's costing organizations on a global basis? Yep. So it's quite unfortunate to see that the cyber attacks uh, can be devastating for organizations. And fortunately, we are having more data points of late to emphasize the need and spread awareness. So in a recent study, the average total cost of a data breach increased by nearly 10% to 4.24 million, the highest ever recorded. Wow. That's the, that's the average cost for an organization. Is that four yes, million? Yes, that's, that's an average cost, yes. Wow. And, and see the aftermaths. Around 60% of the small companies closed within six months of being hacked. Right. Now, the first order is the monetary loss. The second order is the number of people losing jobs. Mm. Right? So, so obviously with a cost like that, as you say, many small business wouldn't be able to deal with such a significant cost. So they're, they're closing, people are losing their jobs. That's costing an average of $4 million for a cyber attack. So we must be talking about many billions of dollars per, per annum on a global basis. Yep. So I guess, you know, we uh, had lots of challenges over the last 18 months with COVID and we had this huge transition to companies working remotely, accessing their networks remotely, um, online communication. Has that resulted in a net increase or decrease in uh, security-related issues for organizations? So definitely transitioning to remote working has increased exposure to cyber attacks. So let's take a brief pause here and understand what the remote working challenges are itself. Then we can get to the impact on the organizations due to cyber attack, right? 
So when overnight uh, the lockdowns happened, then IT teams had numerous challenges in transforming their work practices to remote working. So employees had to work with any devices at their home, meaning lesser or no controls before the IT teams could procure and send their new laptops or desktops so that they can work from remote, uh, uh, remote, uh, remotely from their homes. Hmm. And suddenly, IT teams had to expose their internal networks, internal applications over public internet to hmm. otherwise well-protected within their corporate network. This is via very poor VPN configurations or via cloud services and such like. Right, so services that are never exposed before are suddenly exposed to the internet mm -hmm. with mediocre or poor configurations. And third point is haphazard adoption of cloud services. Everyone wants to move to the cloud because of these transformations in 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 the in the overall environment with little or no expertise. This resulted in numerous misconfigurations. Right, so the the myth is that cloud is secure. But the reality or the fact is cloud security is a shared responsibility model where the organizations adopting the cloud are also equally responsible for the services they're using. And yes, of course, that's, that's a good point because, uh, you know, we use public cloud providers ourselves at Toro and, and uh, the networking and configuration thereof is, is largely your responsibility. So they provide the infrastructure as a service, but the way you configure that service is totally up to you. So Absolutely. you're seeing that a lot of people don't have the expertise to configure those services and are resulting in security vulnerabilities in the, in the applications they're deploying to the cloud. Absolutely. And there's mm. a fourth important point here. Pandemic-themed phishing campaigns. People are under extreme pressure due to the pandemic itself. And the moment you see uh, campaigns related to donations, campaigns related to fake news, campaigns related to uh, uh, somebody, uh, something happened uh, due, to, due to pandemic, in the context of uh, deploying phishing campaigns. Yes. Mm. Right. So already people are emotionally charged up due to this pandemic and they're they're gullible to more clicking the URLs that they should not be opening at all, right? So due to these factors, remote working due to pandemic also, import, also impacted the speed of response. What happens if in case of an attack, how do the IT teams remotely respond to such attacks? This increases the time to identify and contain the data breaches, okay? At organizations with greater than 50% remote work adoption, it took an average of 300 days to identify and contain the breach. 300 days? 300 days. Wow. <laughs> the issue was long gone after 300 days. Absolutely. See, see the gravity of the situation here. Yes. Even the people are impacted. The workforce, the IT teams that are working around the clock to upkeep of the systems are impacted due to pandemic. Hmm. Right? So all this has compounding effect on identifying and containing a data breach. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess uh, the, the IT teams weren't prepared to deal with these kind of situations, with these remote working and, and as you say, access, accessing their data over public networks and remote VPN connections and, and those devices which they didn't have control of, people that are using their own computers and laptops. Um, ha has maturity grown since then? Are you finding that the IT teams are now better equipped to deal with these situations? Yep. So I, I would say both yes and no. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So yes, because in the last one and a half year, definitely there are a lot of lessons learned. Almost every organization's uh, business continuity plans, disaster recovery plans, remote working plans are being tested to the maximum. Mm. Okay. But smaller and medium organizations who cannot afford for such kind of a, a business continuity or disaster recovery kind of infrastructure, they need to reinvent themselves, innovate how they can continue their businesses despite these harsh conditions. Mm. So what are the most common challenges that companies are facing today with cybersecurity? Is it uh, any particular t- a style of attack which they're, they're facing? So uh, defense in general, cyber defense or in general, uh, against these modern, modern attacks is in general hard. I mean, under normal situations itself, defense is quite hard. On top of it, the way modern businesses are operating, say things like remote or hybrid working, hybrid working makes it much more complex, by the way. Remote working has its challenges, but hybrid working has much more complex uh, ET in order to protect. Haphazard adoption of the cloud. Lack of expertise makes all these things much more complex. Okay, so securing the IT infrastructure from cyber attacks, uh, things like how do I identify all these assets? How do you know which is a company uh, uh, asset, whether it is a software asset or a hardware asset? How do you identify their cyber hygiene? As, as we said, uh, things like uh, the laptops and desktops at home are also immediately got connected to the internet and started using for work. How do we know the hygiene of those uh, 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 systems? How to identify these gaps and risks on a continuous basis? How to ensure that adequate controls are there? How do we prioritize? So all these are the challenges. Mm. Where where are the attacks coming from, though? Are they coming from um, vulnerabilities in firewalls? Is it coming from uh, security vulnerabilities in in these um, uh, devices, which are like coming inside the internal networks? Uh, through that hybrid working environment? Is it the phishing attacks? Where, where are we seeing the, the, the uh, majority of these attacks? Uh-huh. Okay. So let me put this into two broad categories. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first category are the bad people continuously scanning the entire internet, the attackers trying to see where is the loophole whether there are any insecure versions of softwares being exposed, whether uh, there are any remote desktop uh, protocol being exposed or whether uh, poorly configured services exposed. And you know uh, this set of people who are continuously scanning the internet, trying to identify the weak points in the infrastructure. The other set of people are targeted attacks. These are very, very difficult to combat. The targeted attacks understand, they don't go after everyone. They, they, they have a limited set of organization types or industry types they want to go after, right? Mm -hmm. For example, they find loopholes in healthcare systems. They know that healthcare systems are vulnerable due to pandemic, or they know that the power sector, or they know that the public infrastructure, the government infrastructure, they are targeting such sectors and going after them to identify uh, who who are the people working there, what kind of uh, roles they are, can we do as peer phishing, targeted emails to them, either pandemic or non-pandemic themed, um, because there are a lot of new uh, age attacks uh, uh, on social engineering and especially targeting people, like say, 
uh, CEO fraud or business email compromise and these kind of things. These are attacking the human minds and the gullibility of people in order to get into their uh, networks. So those are the two broad things. The, and both are equally dangerous. I'd like to talk about the um, management of uh, within an organization and how we're dealing with cyber attacks from a management and board perspective for that matter. Sure. And start off with the chief information security officer. Yep. What, what's the role of this position? Yeah. So the CISO or CISO, depending upon where, where you come from <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Uh, so the chief information security officer is an is a, is a executive responsible for the organization's overall information and data security. It's, it's a senior role that needs both technical and business acumen. And he, has, he or she has different responsibilities. Uh, but, but I would say it's a, it's a very senior position who will try to bridge the gap uh, with, the, with the C-suite executives and board members and downstream with the I-teams ensuring the overall uh, cybersecurity of the organization. Okay, mm -hmm. so the CISO has different responsibilities like uh, the cyber risk and cyber intelligence to keep abreast of the developing security threats, helping the board understand potential security problems that may arise from either acquisitions or big business moves. And the overall security architecture and operations, it could be planning, buying, rolling out security hardware, software, making sure the IT and network infrastructure is designed with best security practices in mind. The security program management and governance, for example, keeping ahead of security needs by implementing the programs and projects that mitigates these risks and uh, ensuring the compliances, the regional and global regulatory compliances from a cyber perspective are being adhered. So these are different uh, responsibilities of a CISO. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that um, the CISO is either reporting senior management and or potentially the board. So the, 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 this is, this, these topics are increasingly being discussed at a board level. Uh, how are boards getting involved in cyber risk management? That's a, that's, a very, that's a very good question. So on one hand, there's a rise of cyber attacks and subsequent losses. Um, on the other hand, board needs to understand whether their organization can get attacked as well. So uh, in the last few years, especially, cyber risk management became an essential in the overall enterprise risk management for the organizations, okay? And the board is more interested to know that is our organization cyber resilient? Are the cyber practices fully aligned with our risk appetite? That's very important to see that because each organization has an appetite of how much risk they can take and uh, uh, how much investments they can do in this in the in the cyber, mm -hmm. and are we planning and forecasting appropriately for that particular sector? That's again very important. That in their sector, are they able to forecast appropriately? And what's the biggest biggest cyber threat? Is it is it external? Is it a nation states attackers? Is it is it random attackers on the internet, or is it from the internal insiders? Depending upon their industry type uh, and and the nature of their business the threats vary, the degree of uh, the impact varies. So, uh, so these are the couple of questions uh, that they'll be interested to know, to know from the C-suite executives. And the CISO's role is to provide this data points to the board. Mm. Mm. Uh, can you share with us some of the uh, key risk management pillars that IT security teams alongside the board should have in mind when it comes to cybersecurity? 
Okay. So uh, as I was saying, the cyber defense is hard, uh, but let me break it down into four simple pieces so that uh, teams can understand uh, what are those uh, pillars, risk management pillars. So it all boils down to four steps. Okay. First, you need to identify what are all assets that are used to conduct business. It could be office-given assets. It could be laptops, desktop servers, uh, business services in the cloud, on-premise, um, whether there are personal devices where you know the phones and things like that. And because if we don't understand our asset landscape, we cannot protect. Okay, mm -hmm. we don't know what all to protect. So asset management and classification. So once we identify these assets uh, in the same step, we need to classify them, how important these assets are, what kind of data or what kind of services they're accessing. Uh, does, does it have customer data? Does it have intellectual property? Does it have financial data and such like? Right? So that the, the asset management classification is the first bucket. Uh, the second bucket, or the second pillar, I would say, the first pillar is asset management classification. The second pillar is identifying the cyber hygiene of these assets by continuous assessments. What are these assets like? What do they, what do they run? What are the operating systems? What are the package, packages, libraries? Uh, are there any gaps in the configurations? Uh, are there any known weaknesses? And what are the risks that are emanating from such gaps? So identifying the cyber hygiene is important. The third one and the most toughest one is prioritize, prioritize, and prioritize. Obviously, with the given time, resources, energies, and mental bandwidth and resource bandwidth, we can only address few of such gaps. Yes. Now, in those fewer ones, how do we get to the first top 10% or 20% of the issues that we need to prioritize and solve? So that's that's a very complex piece, but there are recent advances and we can use advanced technology to prioritize. And the fourth one is how ready are we? How fast we can act, uh, whether it is remediation, whether it is response for those risks that we have identified. So to summarize, the four pillars are asset management and classification, identifying the cyber hygiene of these assets, prioritizing these uh, gaps, remediation and response for the risk side in fact. So the, I would say these are the four important pillars for a continuous uh, management of IT risks. Hmm. Uh, it's interesting because you, you didn't uh, mention, for example, uh, process, human process. Mm -hmm. So I understand that some of the uh, large-scale uh, uh, attacks we've had recently has been where they've got an employee to click on some an email a phishing email for example right yep. and and they've they've given away a password and provide unknowingly access to some internal systems for a data breach mm -hmm. uh, so how, how important is uh, education and business process within the organization that's a, that's a very good question so these four pillars which I've just mentioned cannot be solved with technology alone mm. okay we need to have the right people awareness, you need to have the right processes in place and the right technology. It's a combination of people, process, technology that will enable all these four pillars to work efficiently. With the challenges associated with distributed networks, remote working, um, and the expectation that customers and business partners have this real-time access to data, mm -hmm. 
I'm imagining that we need to, there's, there's so much data flowing in and out of the organization through these remote workers and business partners and customers. How can we would need to use automation to, pro, to create some sort of prioritized list and response uh, to these to these risk events? So how can we uh, manage and mitigate risk through automation? So as you said, the faster the IT teams can respond and remediate the vulnerabilities, the high likely that it reduces the impact of cyber attack. So that's where automation plays a very, very important role. Okay. Now, if you break things down, there are fully automated, there can be semi-automated, there can be manual. These are the three buckets I would think of when it comes to automation. Okay. So both fully automated and semi-automated ways, for example, how do we automatically push policies? How do we patch systems? How do we, uh, uh, you know, uh, alter certain rules? How do we isolate certain devices? How do we push firewall rules? All these come under this uh, bucket of uh, automation needs. Okay, so whether it needs to uh, integrating with the existing controls, whether it is building those glue components that can interact with different components, or even getting. Uh, or buying the products that can uh, that has APIs exposed, for example, it becomes very, very important to take a strategic decision for that IT teams to buy or purchase products that are integratable with the ecosystem rather than silos and, and rocks. Okay. But that said, we can automate only the tactical issues. We have to be very, very clear here. Only the tactical issues like patching systems and pushing policies can be automated, but strategic gaps will still be manual that needs careful thinking, planning, and executing strategic uh, uh, mitigations and strategic controls. And while planning for automation, it's very, very important for the businesses to avoid business disruption. The security team says that, hey, block this port because it is insecure. Now the ID team can go and block it, but there could be a business disruption saying that, hey, there's a e-commerce service that is earning revenue, it is suddenly blocked. No, so care should be taken that in case of business disruption, there should be enough tooling that we have necessary measures in place to roll back them as well, understand what is a strategic uh, measure there, maybe move to more secure service and things like that, and then roll it back. So. Automation is key, both semi-automated, fully automated, uh, measures are needed. And in case something goes wrong, you need to have measures to roll them back as well and redeploy them with a better uh, approach. Hope this helps. Well, as I understand it, you you have uh, co-founded a, a company called Second Eyes a few years yeah. ago, and you're building next generation systems for automated, intelligent IT risk and compliance management. So yeah. can you run us through some of the specifics how a solution like yours would uh, help facilitate this? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, th thanks for asking that. Um, so when, when we started the startup Second Eyes, um, there are numerous problems, especially in managing these uh, risks, uh, so IT risks. There were, uh, there were point products, um, uh, there, there are a lot of data flowing in, and uh, there, is, there is no way for uh, the customers and organizations to put them all in some context and understand what it is like and get the big picture. That is where the four pillars I just 
described a couple of minutes ago, we as a startup, uh, we are building cutting edge algorithms and uh, a SaaS solution, a super simplified SaaS solution, the software as solution, software as service solution to automate as much as possible, both from asset identification, identifying the gaps, contextualizing them and prioritizing them and auto-remediating them as well. So that's a, it's a full suite uh, where, and in respect to of which assets they are managing. Uh, uh, before us, there were point products like say, uh, web risk identification or mobile app risk identification or cloud risk identification kind of, but that's simply overwhelming for the users in order to stitch it all together, right? Now we are pioneers in the space in order to, while building the holistic platform for both automating the IT risk management and also adhering to global and regional compliances. Mm. It, it sounds like you're right at the edge where uh, companies need you most with an average cost of $4 million a year. Um, I, I wish you well. You, I, I, I know you are doing well, and I, I wish you well with your endeavours at Second Eyes. Sashank, thank you for joining us today. How can uh, the people listening to our podcast follow you on social media and the blogs that you write? Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh with same name. So there are no pseudonyms that I use on the internet. So it's easy for finding okay. them. Easy to find them. <laughs> Shank Dara. Yeah, it's, it's a Shank Dara. So I'm just a few clicks away. If you want to follow, catch up, have these interesting conversations. Uh, been in this domain for a while. So I'm extremely passionate about this. So yeah, feel free to reach out. I'll be happy to share my knowledge or learn from you as well. And your publisher, Manning, has generously offered us to give away uh, some of your um, guides uh, that you've written with them. So uh, the listeners will be uh, promoting those on our social media platforms and our blog thereafter. So thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, David and Kevin. I really enjoyed the discussion. Hey listeners, hope you had a wonderful time listening to that episode. For those who stuck around, we've got a special surprise for you. We're giving away access to Sashantara's latest live projects on Manning, JSON Web Token Authentication for APIs, and Secure APIs from Web Application Attacks. Simply follow us on Twitter at ToroCloud, like and retweet our contest post. The winners will be chosen and contacted via DMs. Good luck! As always, let us know your thoughts in the comment section from the podcast platform you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode, as well as our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there, because we listen. Just look for Toro Cloud. On behalf of the team here at Toro Cloud, thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Kevin Ontalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers!